and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spoopy movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. One, two, three. Merry, Merry Christmas! Christmas! Hi, I'm Woo. Katie. And hey there, I'm Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast, the final podcast of 2020. Also, Katie probably has the same brave brain link I'm thinking, but I'm just like, also, to our other friends, happy Hanukkah. And um, I don't really know anyone that celebrates Kwanzaa, but if you're listening and you do, happy Kwanzaa to you. Yes, all of those things. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we have, I have a couple friends that celebrate Hanukkah, but no one that's, I don't know anyone who celebrates Kwanzaa, which is weird, right? Yeah. Maybe it's just a Southern thing. Maybe Southern people just don't celebrate Kwanzaa. Very interesting. I wonder if it is a sovereign thing. I would love if any of our viewers do, like, uh, or listeners actually do celebrate Kwanzaa, um, educate me on it or send me a good link that I can read up so I can be more knowledgeable about Kwanzaa. So, also, but yeah. I have a burning question. I told Britt this earlier. So, I was scrolling through Amazon as you do during gifting seasons, whether it's someone's birthday or Christmas or Hanukkah. Or do you get gifts for Kwanzaa? Again, we have no idea. I'm so sorry. Um, But I was scrolling through and this like gift idea popped up and it was like a menorah ornament. And I was just a little confused because to my knowledge, you don't hang things on menorahs. You know, I've been to a couple of people's houses during Hanukkah and all you ever do is just light the candles and sing and pray, which is, I actually really like it. I think Hanukkah is really cool and everything, but... I was like, I'm pretty sure it'd be kind of weird if you hang a menorah ornament on a menorah. Isn't that a little meta? Like, isn't that too much? What's going on? I don't understand. Um, I wonder. Okay, maybe, like, you have, like, a household divided, and it's like, maybe we celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas. So on our Christmas tree, we have menorah ornaments. Or you could just put a menorah on the top of the Christmas tree to take the place of the star, and then... Wouldn't it be too heavy and just, like, fall over? Maybe you get a, like a stuffed animal <laughs> menorah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would, I would like love to celebrate both holidays. Like I always feel like I'm like fake if I <laughs> celebrate Hanukkah because I'm like I'm not actually Jewish. I just really like Jewish holidays. But you know, Christianity comes from Judaism, so you should at least know the bare minimum about Judaism. I think if you're Christian, like, or even if you're not Christian, it's a really old religion and it's something that should be respected in my opinion because it's a pretty it's pretty morally decent one too so i would definitely agree with that like um i what i have learned about judaism in my 31 years of life it's just beautiful um it's definitely something i really admire um i think it's wonderful um okay so i guess we gotta actually talk about the movie sorry yeah we're gonna talk about these movies movies sorry guys if you were here for the movie talk uh we got a little um Sidetracked, but we do want to say, so we're going to take a little break after 
this episode. We will be back in 2021. Um, it is a couple weeks before Christmas is when this is going to go out, I do believe. So have a safe holiday. I think Hanukkah is actually the 10th, I want to say, this year. So Hanukkah's probably already passed by the time this has happened. So I hope you had a happy Hanukkah. Um, but we just want to let you guys know we will be back. We just yes. are going to take a little break filming and also, we might, we've talked about maybe doing, like, a bonus, like, short episode or maybe a video. We do have a YouTube channel that um, I kind of stopped posting because no one could find it. Anyway, so, um, I don't know. During the break, I might retroactively put up some episodes um, of us that Britt and I both feel like we look decent on it. <laughs> because there are a couple episodes where one of us was sick or just not having it. We were just like, eh, it's fine. Um, it's a podcast, um, but we might we might do like a bonus episode, maybe maybe I'm not gonna we're not gonna promise if we can't deliver, but we might we might be able to do one. And um, I I think it's probably gonna be the second week of January before we're back. I want to say yeah. So I think that would be yeah, because we we have to take a couple weeks and then we have to like film some stuff too. So. Um, we'll see what happens, and but we'll let you know on the Instagram. We'll try to keep our social active. Okay, that business out of the way. Let's announce uh, the movies. We decided to do a double feature, um, kind of, since it's our last episode of our first season. Um, and we were trying, I picked Black Christmas 1974, and also the 2019 remake that... <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hold it in. No, it's okay. <laughs> Brent and I watched it together, which is the first time we've done that. Um, and it was not great. It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I was like, Katie goes, this is a Blumhouse movie. I was like, Blumhouse movies can be fun. And I was like, and this is neater. neater. So. <laughs> yeah, Blumhouse has two uh, shifts. They have, they have two categories. They're either going to be like get out or whiplash or they're gonna be <laughs> black christmas oh yeah uh yeah it mm, yeah the remake which i, I picked it to be funny because uh we do want it's fun to pick apart some movies you know and we're gonna pick this yeah. one apart i'm pretty sure yeah, it's funny because when Katie picked Black Christmas, I, I think our lowest previous um, movie was Slumber Party Massacre, Massacre on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And this one, uh, Black Christmas 2019, got set. That one's ass beat. It is at like a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it just I'm surprised it's that high. I thought yeah. it'd be like a 20. Like, yeah. I, 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 I will argue there is some cool ideas in it and yes. we i know we'll come to that conversation mm-hmm. so i'll definitely be able to point out some things that i thought was kind of cool or unique about the movie yes. um and then it just like stepped in dog shit like it it got some potential and then it just drowned it um so yeah but we'll get there so. yeah and i just realized i forgot so my keyboard was not working and I forgot to write my synopsis, so it's not going to be as polished as usual. I'm sorry, guys. Again, this is why we're taking a break, because life has gotten away from us. Um, but this is this is a cash episode. Um, but the original Black Christmas, um, I'm going to do spoiler-free synopsis, was produced in 1974 as a Canadian horror film, uh, directed by Bob Clark, who also directed 
a Christmas story. Um, like the classic Christmas story. Also, he directed Porky's and one of my personal favorite So Bad It's Good movies starring Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone, Rhinestone. So he is just all over the place. But A Christmas Story, I literally watched it while I was cooking Thanksgiving um, pies because it is literally one of my absolute favorite Christmas movies. I watch it every year along with Christmas Vacation, which I've already watched as well. So um, I forgot that he was the director of this. Um, If I ever knew, I was like, what? Okay. Um, And basically, Black Christmas, um, which, by the way, in the United States was released as Silent Night, Evil Night, um, because they were afraid that American audiences would assume that it was a black exploitation movie. And honestly, Black Christmas is just a play on words with the holiday film White Christmas. They just said because it's like dark and creepy and about a serial killer like a psychological horror but they were like they were like american audiences are too stupid so we're just gonna we're just gonna name it something else um anyways it basically covers a sorority house some sisters at a sorority house they're all left over um over the christmas break they're the like the kids like the the kids that are staying over christmas break that don't go home to their families during christmas break um a madman who we never see breaks into their sorority house and starts killing them off one by one. Um, and it's really creepy. And that's pretty much it. I mean, there's yeah. it's pretty straightforward. Um, there is, I think this movie has a lot of good suspense in it. I would definitely call it a suspense film. Not so. It is supposed to be a slasher, but the violence is not on screen very often. And yeah. so, because of it, I would call it more of, like, a psychological horror than I would a true slasher. But it was the first seasonal horror movie ever. Because it, it was even released before Halloween. So, um, yeah. It's an interesting look, and it stars some really cool people. Um, which, I don't know, Britt, do you want to talk about who's in it? Or anything yeah, I'm missing? Um, no, no, you know. I didn't know if you... Um... I don't know if you wanted me to reference it. Well, no, I can't. We can't tell. You probably know this cool tidbit too, but I don't want to reference it too early because it was spoiler. It was spoiled a little bit towards the end oh, of the okay. movie. Um, but yeah, so we got Olivia Hussey as Jess. Um, she was kind of uh, she's cast kind of like the main girl in the sorority. A lot of mm-hmm. the story uh, follows her around. Um, of course, she's known from playing Juliet and Romeo and Juliet. That's what I also um know yes. her from. Like, I mean, it's just you know she's juliet um but she does have a little bit of a horror background because she was in psycho um the beginning and she was in the mini series of it yeah and she was in the mini series of it too so that's actually where i knew her from as a child she plays bill's wife audra Mm -hmm. and it which had a she had a very 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 small part in it chapter two but in the mini series she has a pretty uh large part as she does in the novels so um yeah um so she plays jess um yeah she plays norma in the psycho one she plays norman bates's mother so uh, which is yes. a very i really want to watch that one because it's like the backstory it's kind of like bates motel but the movie version and much before yeah. bates motel but it was it's basically telling what drove norman bates to be so crazy basically his mother um yeah so she's fucking crazy in it but she does i from what i've seen it's a really good performance 
Yeah, and that's what I saw Psycho at the beginning years and years and years ago. Um, but yeah, I, I vaguely remember parts of it. So it was really shocking to have that like memory to be like, oh, that was her. Um, so we have, I don't want to pronounce his name, but Kier Duella. Delia, oh. thank you. He plays Peter, um, who is, of course, best known as David Bowman in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a pleasant surprise to see him. Um, Margot Kidder as Barb. Uh, Margot. So, Margot, thank you. I only know Margot Kidder because, well, a couple things. She, I'm sure you're about to say her big thing, but she mm-hmm. read the book on tape to the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, which was like my favorite book when I was a little kid. I still have my original copy. It is like the cover is about to come off because I read it so much as a child. Um, just like my copy of Matilda. Um, like, but so like she read me my favorite book when I was a little kid. So like, Aww. so like I always knew her name, but um, she unfortunately has passed away. Yeah, and she had, um, I mean, of course, and you may be able to riff off more of what she's done. She's best known as playing Lois Lane in the Superman Mm -hmm. movies, but this woman had a phenomenal career. Um, Yes. Was in so many movies, uh, spanned decades. Um, So, yeah, I mean. 137 movies? Yes. Wow. But I was really impressed um, with her filmography. Um, then, of course, we got Andrea Martin as Phil, <gasps> which, I mean, Katie was even talking about uh, Phil, or Andrea Martin, the last time we were on the podcast. So Yes. And I did not realize that she was in this movie, and I'd seen it before, but she plays Phil, who's, like, kind of, like, she's got kind of, like, curly, like, almost like she's got a fro going, and she's got, like, really funky octagonal glasses on, which I was like, oh, cool. But if you don't know who Andrea Martin is, she probably the thing you will most recognize her for, although she's played a lot of roles in a lot of different movies the last few years, um, she played the aunt in My Big Fat Greek Wedding, like the really loud aunt who was like, you don't eat no meat. And she's like, I'll make lamb. That lady, that's, that's Andrea Martin. She's hilarious. Um, but she was on Broadway for the original cast of Young Frankenstein. And she played uh, Frau Brucker, and she sings this really great boyfriend. I mean, this really great song called "He Was My Boyfriend." It's great. Um, she's so funny, and she's been in so much stuff. Like, if you look at her filmography, she's been in like everything. And also, like, she kind of like looks the same as she's looked for a very long time. She's one of those people like she kind of just stopped aging at some point, and like she just. It's like Steve Martin. He just kind of stopped aging at some point. You're just like, is the fountain of youth somewhere? Where are you guys getting this? Anyways, but I love her. Yes. And um, then we, of course, have Lynn Griffin as Claire. Um, I feel bad. I didn't catch a lot about Lynn Griffin um, as far as filmography went. But I did find out that her mom was friends. Like, her mom was here, casting director or friends with casting director. And that's partially how she got the role, um, which was one of her first roles. Um, we have um, Marion uh, Waldman. Oh, she's, she's in The Boys. Is she? She's on an episode of The Boys. Her character's name is Lois. Mm. That's cool. I know I was I looking at her stuff. That's cool. I need to go back and look and see who she was in that episode. Um, we do have Marion uh, Wallman as Miss Miss May, um, which I believe is that dim mother, right? Yeah, Miss Mac something. Miss Mac. Mac. I can't. Yeah. I can't read my own damn handwriting. That's a, that's an issue. <laughs> like that's why that's I type what... it because yeah, I go back I'm sometimes. Like, I'm like what. I was meant to be a doctor. Um, 
But yeah, Miss Mac, a lot of people think Miss Mac stills the show. Um, I would say arguably she does. Um, her and, and Barb. We, oh yeah, her and Barb. And then, um, not the last one, but the last one I mentioned before I let you mention. Um, so Chris, uh, that is Claire's boyfriend, is his name is Art Himble. Um, Art, Art Hindle, which, uh, he actually had a pretty interesting career, too. So, I think he was actually a fashion model. I think one of the things is his cool little funky coat he wears. Oh, my God, Was yes. actually, yeah, was actually his coat, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, was it him or Peter D'Elia? One of them was like, I took the job because it was near where my parents live, and I just wanted to be near my parents. <laughs> I was like, that's cute. Um, I think the only other person really to mention is, um john saxon who plays the lieutenant the good the smart lieutenant yeah and, um, he also played the lieutenant on nightmare on elm street oh and, that's where i know him from yeah and um he was in enter the dragon as roper mm-hmm. and also apparently he was in west craven's new nightmare um and he's been on like masters of horror i was trying to see if there's anything else because i definitely know his name and his face is very 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 familiar but um i don't know he's been in a lot of stuff but he did a lot of like older movies too i think he did some like um what should we call it like uh westerns and things like that so oh wow um, he has the face for it yeah i think he yeah he's been in a lot of stuff he was in like over 200 movies in his career so um oh he was on a couple episodes of the a-team woohoo and Dynasty and Fantasy Island. Jeez. Yeah, so he's like one of those classic 70s TV actors that made it to film. But, um, yeah, anyways, so, and I love also that, what's his face? The boyfriend. Um, he, Chris, Chris, the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's Chris. He's also playing hockey because it's Canada. And <laughs> although apparently there was no snow when they were filming. It didn't snow while they filmed. So they, that was fake snow. Yeah. But may I say that the fake snow in the original 1974 looks way more convincing than the fake snow in the remake because there is a scene in the remake where a body is drugged through the snow and Britt and I were literally like, is that sand? Sand? It yeah. It looked like sand. Like, that's, like, snow doesn't do that. Yeah, it was way too thick. Yeah, and it was, like, leaving lines. I was like, no, you would just melt the ice and your body, oh, just, oh. Like, and here's the thing. I'm sure everyone who made it is probably from Hollywood, and maybe they've never seen snow. I mean, we haven't seen that much snow in our lives living in the South, but I've seen enough to know what snow looks like and what sand looks like, and that was sand. So, anyways, uh, that was kind of stupid. But um, so I don't. Should we? Should we get into spoilers for the original? I feel yeah. like the spoilers yeah. for the original are a little different than the remake but definitely um which is probably the only cool thing they did different in my opinion um but we'll talk about that later but i guess we're just gonna call spoilers for this one and then we'll try to be unspoilery and i'll make a note when we're unspoilery for the not for the remake yeah if that makes sense no that makes sense like for sure so yeah um I, I don't know if you want to just do a quick run-through for the story. I feel like um, it's pretty simplistic. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I did dislike that about Black Christmas. There's a lot of things I did like about the original, actually. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think yeah. it's good that it's a little simplistic because there's not so much pressure on the plot. Yeah. And you could explore some character things. Like, the plot's not super heavy, so there's a lot of character exploration, which is I think, interesting. Yeah, I think it allows you to kind of... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, transport isn't the right word, but almost like transport your fears mm-hmm. into the movie. Because, you know, it's kind of like it's not a lot, especially about Billy. Uh, so I want to say his name. <gasps> yeah, Billy. Billy. We don't know a lot about Billy. And I feel like that's something that makes him extra creepy. Yes. I like that we don't know that much. There are some stories that I need to know more, and this is one of them that I don't need to know more to be afraid of it, and I think it is that fear of the unknown. Um, This movie was based on a couple things. There's an urban legend, which I'm sure we've all heard. There's a movie called When a Stranger Calls that Mm -hmm. is directly this urban legend, but basically the babysitter and the man upstairs were like, a babysitter keeps getting nasty phone calls and she finally calls the cops and they trace the call and they call her back and said the call is coming from inside the house and she runs to the door and hopefully escapes um i think we've all heard that story but there also was a series of murders going around in montreal i think when this right before this movie was um made and written and that was another inspiration um and there i don't know if this is the same killer but there was a va- the vampire rapist, apparently. Those murders, which I... There wasn't really... Okay, they think he was a murderer, but he's not... He was never convicted of a murderer, basically. So, you know, anyways. Um, so, uh, basically, we start the story off in the... Whatchamacallit? The... Oh, my God. Uh, sorority sorority house. house. Yeah. But they're having a Christmas party. And I, okay, here's what I like about the original Black Christmas is that they're not just having like girls only night, which I'm sorry. Like people do do that. But like, I don't know. It's not as common, I think, for a Christmas party to only have your sorority sisters around. Like in college, I feel like maybe it's just us, but I feel like most of my parties were co ed. Like, I didn't distinguish girls only, boys only kind of thing. So, um, so they're having a party. Some of their boyfriends are there. One girl, Claire, is going to go home the next morning. And Barb, who's played by Margot Kidder, is really drunk and making a lot of jokes. And she makes a joke about Claire being a virgin. And Claire's kind of offended. And she goes upstairs. And she's like, oh, guys, you suck. But she's like, I'm going to go upstairs and pack. No, it's fine. And Jess is like, oh, I'm so sorry. Jess is Olivia Hussey's character. And the phone rings, and they get a weird, creepy, like, moaning call. They get a few that night, and they finally start talking back to the guy, and Barb says one of my favorite things, oh, why don't you go find a wall socket and stick your tongue in it? That'll give you a charge. And uh, it's really abrasive language. Like, I think they're the creepy part. Yeah, it kind of, because um, I was sitting there watching it um, with my husband, Taylor, and, you know, we neither of us have ever seen this movie, um, and he he says some pretty explicit stuff, which for a movie that old was really shocking. Uh, I was like, whoa, wait, what? Because it it's very vulgar language. Um, mm-hmm. So I was actually reading this, and you probably came across this fact, too, that, um, so it turns out the director, Bob Clark, was talking to the girls off screen for them right. to react to the phone call, but he was not saying that. Right. So, yeah, so that, that 
Billy's language was edited in later, but yeah, but it's it's kind of um, it was my first like okay, that's a that's a little fucking creepy because um, he's mm-hmm. talking. It's almost, um, they never say this about the character, but it's almost like the character's schizophrenic. He talks in different voices, like different yeah. pitches. Yeah. And um, after Barb says that to him, he just very calmly and normal voice is like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. It's really yeah. fucking weird. Also, Claire was like, could that really just be one person? And Barb is like, no, Claire, it's the Mormon tacker- Tabernacle Choir making their annual obscene phone call. It's great. Yeah. Anyways, Barb has a lot of really good one-liners. And the humor lands in this movie too like it's cute it's funny it seems they seem like real college students although they all seem a little too old to be in college but except for maybe claire claire looks the right age but i think we've all had that sister who maybe imbibes a little too much you know that is definitely barb but she's also lots of fun and jess is kind of like the responsible friend or sister and um anyway so claire goes upstairs after the uh the last obscene phone call and unfortunately claire um first sees clyde or claude the um cat the house cat that their um, house mother's been looking at looking for and um then she looks in her closet which okay here's the thing this goes on a little too long because so she hears somebody in her closet and she's got a bunch of like hanging plastic uh dry cleaner bags and um she's like who is that because she hears someone in her closet she's like is that chris is it you jess is it you i was like honey go downstairs and get a friend before you get any closer to that because who the fuck is that and she's like who is it who is it? She doesn't sound that stupid, but she gets really close, and then all of a sudden she gets attacked and suffocated by this plastic garment bag, and it's really sucky. He puts her in the window of the attic in a rocking chair, and she's there the entire movie. Yeah, and you and they go back to that shot of her at different angles multiple times. Yeah, so you which is forget. kind of cool. It's kind of cool, but at the same time, like really sad too. Yeah, because especially because her dad gets involved looking for her. Yes, that's the yeah. saddest thing. So like her dad comes to meet her the next morning, and he can't find her. And this really like dumbass frat guy is like, "Oh yeah, that's our sister sorority." Uh, like, here's where their house is, dude. He's like, I gotta go to class, but here's where their house is, dude. And, um, so he can't find her. The house mother, Mrs. Mack. Okay, here's the thing. I love Mrs. Mack. She's, uh, like, an alcoholic, I think. I think we can safely say she is an alcohol Oh, yeah, she has, like, alcohol hidden all over the sorority house. Which is one complaint on my end, because why would you need to hide alcohol in a sorority house? Maybe if there's underage girls in there. I don't know. Maybe that's, like, a rule they have. I mean, Barb is, like, drinking like a fish. Oh, you're true. like, true. why are you hiding it? But they have, like, this little, like, thing where she's just, like, hiding alcohol in books. And then she hides it in the toilet tank, which just gave me flashbacks to one time somebody did that. They tried to, I don't know if you've ever played the Smirnoff Ice game where you hide Smirnoff Ice around the house, which are disgusting. And oh, they don't taste disgusting. They're just like, it's malt liquor. I don't like malt liquor. Um, and like, if you find it, you have to drink the whole thing in one go. But that's what it reminded me of. And I was like, why would you drink something out of a toilet? Disgusting. Anyways, so Mrs. Mack, um, the dad comes to the house and she's like, I don't know where she is. And then there's this really cute 
um, scene where like Mrs. Mac is trying to hide all the risque posters that Claire has on her wall. Like she's a poster of like an old lady give, flipping the bird, and she's like trying to hide it. And there's like a poster of like two people having sex in the shape of a peace sign. And so she's like she's like trying to be like, oh no, Claire's such a good girl, and she's just like, uh, I don't want her dad to hate her, which is so sweet because I'm just like, her dad's kind of stuffy. And Claire's, like, yeah. she's, like, the innocent one of the house, too. That's the sad thing. So I guess they don't have the virgin never dies rule in this movie. Yeah. So that sucks. Well, usually you're safe, but it's fine. Yeah. Well, this Breaks is also rules. one of the first slasher movies, so they're also kind of learning the rules. True. Um, yeah. Um, and then we kind of find out about, well, Mrs. Mack eventually gets murdered, too. Yeah. Uh, she goes up to see Claire, and then she gets hit with a hook which why did they have a hook in their attic i was a little confused but that is a good question uh, maybe it's to hoist things up i don't know it's an old house by the way they filmed in an actual house not a set which is kind of cool um but we i think this is the coolest part of the movie like not the coolest but i think this is an interesting point to the movie so we know jess and her boyfriend's name is peter and he is played by uh gonna mispronounce his name kier delia or Dulia, however you say your name, sir. The Space Odyssey guy. Dave. Um, uh, she and Peter. Um, Peter is in the music conservatory program, and he has, I guess, his juries um, do so his, like, performance final, which I used to do those. They're terrifying. Um, and you always mess up, even though you haven't messed up all semester because of your nerves. Um I completely forgot the lyrics to a song I had performed two days before at a workshop on my last jury of my college career and was just like, shit, I still, I still passed. It was fine. But I was just like, I have never forgotten the lyrics to any of them during a final. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Um, It's fine. It was fine. Um, I figured it out. Um, But so he has his performance final. And so he's like, really in the mood and Jess is like no no I have to talk to you and so she talks to him and she's like hey listen I'm pregnant and he's like oh my god that's great she's like no 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 I don't want to keep it I just thought you should know because you know because they're dating and he's like but you can't not be pregnant we have to go get married and she's like no no and this movie just came out a year after Roe v. Wade so I couldn't find I kept asking my Alexa to tell me when um abortion was legalized in Canada and she would not tell me she just kept telling me Roe v. Wade was 1973 and I was like okay yeah I get that but I'm trying to figure out in Canada if it was like the same deal but in America yeah it wasn't was only legalized a year before so I found that was a very interesting topic to deal with in this movie and I think it's a popular one in college because I don't know about you Britt but I have a few friends who had to make that decision in college oh yeah Um, you know, it's a real decision people have to make. And I yeah. applaud this movie for handling it in a very mature fashion, um, especially for the time period. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that Olivia uh, Hussey actually spoke out. She was like, a lot of people think that we were trying to make a statement. And she's like, we really weren't. Um, it was just, I think, they basically uh, just wanted to have real characters. They wanted to have real people that they saw. Yeah. Like, these are the type of situations that maybe college kids go through um so it wasn't like this big like pro-life pro-choice it was just literally like this is what's something this is what's happened to these characters and it's filler conversation dialogue story between people getting murdered in the movie so yeah and i i think 
it adds character, much like uh, Slumber Party Massacre, where they actually have, you know, qualities and characteristics. They're yeah. actual real people, and you feel like they're real people. Um, yeah, uh, I really like that aspect. That's probably the most unique aspect, but also there's the aspect that Claire and her boyfriend, Chris, who she's just started dating, he's like, he's like a genuinely nice guy. Like, he starts looking for her when they can't find her, and he's playing hockey, and he is wearing a ridiculously fuzzy jacket. Um, yeah. Which is very, it almost looks like he skinned a Wookiee. Yeah. Was wearing it. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? But um, I almost laughed every time he comes in focused with the jacket on. But he's like a genuinely nice guy who wants to find his girlfriend. And they've only been dating for a little while. He doesn't say she's my girlfriend. He says, I've been taking her out. Because, like, they're new to their relationship. They haven't even slept together. So, and like, she, like in the beginning, he's at their holiday party. And then she's like, okay, bye. I'll see you in a week. So, like, you know. Um, so there's this setup where, like, Claire tells everyone she's going to be gone, so no one really thinks anything until, like, she's been gone for, like, a day or so. So I think what happens next, after Mrs. Mack is murdered, is... I don't think it's Phyllis. I think Barb gets murdered first, right? Yeah, well, we do have this scene where um, there's a there's a missing, like, 13-year-old that coincides oh, with yes. Claire going missing. Yes. Yeah, and so they go out, and it did turn out it was, like, actually freezing this night, so I think they said it was, like, 18 degrees outside um, that they were filming that night, but they, they, they have a search party out, and they don't find Claire, obviously, because she's in the attic, but they do find the body of the girl. Um, yes. So it's loosely implied. It's never explicitly stated but you have a feeling that's probably billy's first victim of the night um yeah, yeah. but somehow barb over drinks um they put her in bed and then yeah so barb is after her fabulous turtle trivia yeah oh yeah <laughs> she's like she's very drunk and poor claire's dad is like i can't even eat i'm so nervous she's like did you know that there's a species of turtles that can screw for three days she's like i can't make that up and it's like, yes, it's sea turtles, by the way. If you were wondering, it's sea turtles. It's real. But anyways, Barb overdrinks and they put her to bed. And and then she has, like, oh, she has an asthma attack. Yeah. So Jess goes to go wake her up. Meanwhile, Peter is fucking up his final, which, okay, I'm sorry. I couldn't tell where he was messing up because that piece was a hot mess of notes. Yeah. It was, I don't know... If they filmed it and just said mess around or if it is supposed to be a real piece of music, but it was awful. And it just reminded me of all the modern, like, it's, you know, like modern art songs that I used to have to, like, sing along to. And they're just like people don't know how. It's like people are just experimenting with music, which is fine, but they're really weird. And you're just like, why does it have to be so weird? Can't it just be pretty? And you're just like. There's one, I think it's called Three Husbands. Yes, it's called Three Husbands. And it's like some lady talking about her three husbands uh, who have all died. And uh, maybe she murdered them. I can't remember. But I had to sing it, like, for, like, a, a competition piece. And, like, I, it still haunts my nightmares because it's such a weirdly written song. And there's, like, all these weird rests in the middle where you're like, and then this happened and you're just like why did you write music like this anyways it was giving me like really bad 
yeah. art songs. I vibes. felt the same way. Like uh, I felt like it. The piece wasn't all pleasant, and it just sounded like from the beginning he was messing up. And I was like, maybe yeah. it's my untrained ear. Like maybe no. I just don't know what the hell's happening. So <laughs> I think it was just modern art music. Like there's some really pretty modern art songs, but out there. But I don't like. I don't like the experimental ones. I'm also like I like Picasso. I don't love Picasso. Like, I don't want a Picasso hung in my house. But I really appreciate him for all he's done for the art world. Like, I think he's cool. I just, I don't know. I don't like things to be too out there visually or, like, experimentally. There's some, like, but then, again, like, there's, like, David Lynch who does this kind of shit in directing. And I'm fine with it. I don't care. I don't know why. Some people can finesse it and some people can't. Uh, Peter, the uh, composer, cannot finesse it. I cannot believe that was his final. Which is why when he was like, oh, I messed up so bad. I was like, how can you tell? How can anybody tell? It sounds awful. Like, it's, anyways. So he decides, this is a, he takes a mic stand and he slams it into the grand piano all dramatically. But I was like. You don't own that piano. Exactly. I thought that too. I was like, what? So I was like, like, uh, is that the school's piano? Yeah. He's got to pay so much. Do you know how expensive it is to fix a piano? I cannot imagine. That was a grand piano too. It wasn't like it was a little upright. That was like, and it wasn't a baby grand. It was a full grand piano. Like what the fuck? Also, why was it open? Because you always close it when you're done performing. Yeah, I thought um, I thought the same thing. That's weird, right? Well, probably because it looked more dramatic. <laughs> Do you think it was already broken and they were just like, yeah, let's destroy it? I always um, wonder those type of things because I'm like, is it in your budget to just buy a piano just to destroy it? Like, I would be pissed. I wonder, I hope it wasn't like a good piano, like a like a Baldwin or something like that. Um. But yeah, so Peter's upset because Peter calls Jess crying and he's just like, please don't kill the baby. And she's just like, listen, I don't want to marry you. I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to have a baby right now. This is a rational decision. And she's not trying to, she's not even like hurtful about it. She's just like, listen, I wasn't even going to tell you, but I just thought you should know. And anyways, so I don't know. Like, he's obviously emotionally fragile which it is refreshing to have a male character be the fragile one i think that's kind of interesting um especially again for the 70s like jess isn't the one being immature or upset and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with being upset that you know this decision is being made i i do think that is i know they weren't trying to say anything but i do think it is an issue that sometimes people ignore when they talk about abortion and you know because it it does it is somebody else's baby too but it is your body and so i've never understood the concept of i don't have to tell you i feel like you should morally at least let the person know or have a discussion about it but yeah and i think that's what just exactly her decision like i made up my mind but i i do want to let you know this is the decision i have come to um yeah i i agree it is very interesting um i like that they did that though I think it's it's nice that they had a mature discussion about a mature topic mm-hmm. um, because a lot of places would shy away from that. 
I think there's only there's only a handful of like even television shows that I've seen actually deal with this. There is an episode. It's not really a spoiler of Rescue Me, where that kind of happens, where someone finds out they're pregnant and they've slept with two different brothers, and they pain, painfully make the decision to have an abortion. Like they are not happy about it at all, but they are also like, it's just like a bad situation. So I don't know. It's but I've rarely really seen men be brought into it. It's usually like I didn't tell you that I had an abortion. And I'm like at least Jess is like owning up to it. And she's like, listen. I am just being mature and telling you what's going on. Yeah, because she does say there's do you because she she's not she tells him like do you remember when I told you I wanted to do this and this and she's like and do you remember when you told me that you wanted to do this and right. this and she's like you wanted to play the piano and it's like he changes on almost a whim when he mm-hmm. finds out she's pregnant and she's like it's almost like she's trying to remind him but these are the things we wanted to do and it's not we're not going to be able to do them right and so yeah that's like. And obviously he's older than her because he's in the music conservatory. And it seems like Mm -hmm. this is like maybe a doctoral piece or something like this. Um, So like she, I, you know, I'm sure for him it feels not like a bad thing to just get married. But like she's like probably like a sophomore in college, maybe a junior. Like she seems like she's a sophomore Mm -hmm. or junior. She's definitely not a freshman, you know. So I, yeah, I it's a it's a hard decision, but like it's a rational decision, and that's why like and interesting enough. Oh, sorry, no, no, I know this is off t- off topic on topic. Interesting enough, Liz- Olivia Hussey had just had her first child the year before. Yeah, when she was playing this character. So, so interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting. I just like that they are not afraid to talk about that. This movie isn't telling you how to think; it's just saying this is what's happening to these people. So I just appreciate it. That there's some substance. And then there's just Barb being really drunk in the background most of the time. <laughs> and the obscene phone calls. But basically, so it kind of sets Peter up at a bad angle. Because he obviously has anger issues. He's he's at an emotional crisis. And they're being harassed. And they're trying to figure out who could be calling. Is it is it Peter? Is it a stranger? What's going on? So the police get yeah. involved. There's a great scene where Barb gives them their address as fellatio, which is great because the really stupid cop at the precinct doesn't know what fellatio is, which I'm like, was that a new term in the 70s? Do people not say fellatio until the 70s? I don't know. Um, I thought it was probably from like ancient Greek or something because I'm pretty sure phallic is from ancient Greek or something. Um but uh, they kind of uh, get the police involved, and they're trying to trace the calls, but she has to keep him on the phone. And Jess keeps saying, it's really freaking me out. Like, I know I have to keep him on the phone for so many minutes, but it's really getting to me. Yeah, but no. Um, yeah, so, well, what kind of also sets it off for uh, Jess, too, is that Peter uh, talks about it like, you know, you're you're talking about a baby, like, removing a wart. And the caller actually says something similar. Yes, yes. So they're like yeah. they're like echoing things, and she has no idea this person is in their house. Yeah. So, and that's the best thing is that. So the other cool thing is they keep the suspense up because they show you the guy 
who's trying to physically, because this is how they used to have to do it. They didn't digitally trace a call. He had to physically trace the call. So he's running all the way through and trying to figure out the call. And like when they finally figure out it's coming from inside the house, which also if they had just listened to Jess in the beginning, they would have figured it out faster because she tells them the house, the house mother has a separate line and they're like, Oh, yeah, but the calls haven't been coming from there, so or haven't been coming to that line, so we don't need to trace that. I'm like, oh, if you had just traced that one, you would have known. But anyways, the, yeah. so they figure out. So Barb is murdered, so she has an asthma attack. Jess goes to help her, and she goes back to sleep, and Billy comes in and kills her with these, like, unicorn glass things, which has always made me rethink the things I keep next to my bedside table ever since I saw this movie in, like, college. I was like, I'm never keeping any kind of unicorn or sharp decor anywhere near my bedroom in case a a crazy mad stalker comes and wants to, like, stab me in the face. So they hear a little bit of a ruckus, but they're like, oh, that was just Barb having an asthma attack. She's fine. And you're like, oh, shit. So then Phil or Phyllis, is wandering through the, or she's she's looking for Barb, and she goes up to the bedroom, and Jess is still trying to get the call trace, so she's on the phone, I think. And then Phyllis obviously also gets murdered, although we don't see her get murdered. And finally, Jess is on the phone with the stupid cop, who has been told by the smart cop, hey, it's coming from inside the house, don't tell her that, just tell her to leave the house and go to the front door. And, like, go out the front door. And she she tells her that, but she's like, well, I have to go get my friends. He's like, don't do that. And so, finally, he's an idiot. And he's like, the call's coming from inside the house. Just get out of there. Leave them. Leave them be. But she's like, no, they're my friends. They're my sorority sisters. I can't just leave them. So, she grabs a weapon. Good for you. Goes upstairs. Sees her dead friends. Also, can I just say uh, Olivia Hussey's performance before she goes, she try, she starts to go out the front door, but she keeps yelling Barb and Phil, and her performance is so realistic, and, yeah. like, you're like, uh, I mean, that's what I would do in that situation. I would scream there and be like, hey, come, please come escape with me. Like, are you okay? Yeah. And you're like, oh my god, they're fucking dead. I know. But it's so sad, but she goes and sees them dead. In, that's probably the most graphic scene, is them dead in the bed, and there's yeah. blood everywhere. Yeah. This is the most chilling scene, too. So she opens the door. They're propped up. They're dead in bed together. Um, And with Billy, we never really see Billy. We hear his voice multiple times. We see the camera from his point of view, which is one of the first times we uh, a movie's ever done that point of view tracking shot. The the first one was Peeping Tom in 1960, but this Mm -hmm. was really the the one to popularize it. Because it was, yeah, you don't really see Billy except for from his point of view when he's killing people. Yeah, and but it's absolutely terrifying because she opens the door mm-hmm. and then she hears a voice and she looks up and the way she's she's like sitting in the doorway, she's looking at her dead friends and looks up and for the little crack in the door, you see his eye and he's like, hey, Agnes, it's me, Billy. Don't tell him what we did. It is so fucking chilling. It is so, I yes. was like, oh, I got cold chills. Yes. Oh, obviously, like, there's obviously pets. some incestual thing with Agnes because there's some kind of mother. If you've seen Buried Child, it sounds like mm-hmm. Buried Child. So, or Red um, Buried uh, Child. Yeah, so Bob Clark actually did just touch very, very briefly on um, on Billy's backstory. Like, the backstory he had, it's like two sentences, but it's 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 awful and it's 
fucking scary. Um, what is it? Because I don't think I saw that. So, yeah. So, Bob Bob Clark was like, we didn't want to reveal too much about Billy. But Billy is abused by his parents. He has a younger sister, Agnes. He abuses Agnes. And he may have locked her in the basement for a couple weeks. Oh, okay. Because yeah. the 2006 remake, which wasn't streaming, which is why we didn't do it, was produced by Bob Clark. And it goes further into Billy's backstory. And I was reading about that one. And it's a whole incestual mess. So, yeah. But again, I think it's scarier when we don't really know everything. Yeah, it's like, so I think the one that I was just talking about, like when he originally gave an interview. So, of course, like the 2006 remake uh, was, let's see, uh, 30 years later, 32 years later. Um, so maybe he, they like added to the story. But originally the, the background for Billy was really simple. Um, but yeah, a lot of the dialogue he says is very... Because he mimics, like, children crying. He mimics, like, women, you mm. know, yelling. It's Which they it's had multiple awful. people being the voices, obviously. But I actually love Jess's reaction to seeing that. Because she's just like anyone else in that moment. She looks like she literally shits her pants. Yeah. But, then, uh, but then she closes the door on him. Yeah. And, and she doesn't... Yeah, she runs, just takes off. Which is good. Yeah. But then she goes, oh, but she's locked... That's the thing, is at some point, there's people, the search party for the the 13-year-old girl that's been missing comes to the door and, like, make sure your doors and windows are locked. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they just realize, they're like, oh, shit, all of our doors and windows aren't locked. We better go lock all yeah. our doors and windows. So she locks it from the outside with her key, which I was like, I get it, but girl, why? Why? Does it not lock from the inside? I don't understand that. What the hell? So yeah. she locks herself into the house so she goes to the basement to try to escape well this is there's like a one other little brief scary moment that also scared the shit out of me so it's oh no so it's in real time so like katie says she goes to the door she discovers it's locked uh and she runs by the staircase and billy's hand literally just fucking shoots out the staircase and grabs her her by her hair Uh, yeah it's like when she has long hair you're like ah fuck i'm a liability Uh, and Lydia Hussey has some lungs on her mm-hmm. in that scene because she gives like a legitimate scream queen scream. I was like that whole that whole moment from the time we see uh, Barbas and Phil's dead bodies to her escaping to the basement is just complete terror fuel. Yeah, like I loved it. It's my favorite part of the entire movie. And then she's in the basement and she's trying to escape Billy, but again, Billy's been saying things that she said to Peter over the phone. And Peter shows up at the basement trying to be all helpful. And he's like, Jess, Jess, is that, are you okay, sweetie? Are you okay? And she doesn't fucking know what's going on. And honestly, you don't really know what happens because they cut away. And the next time you see Jess and Peter, he is lying dead in her lap of a head blow. And she's like passed out under his body. And it's like... Did Billy come and attack them? And is did she accidentally hit Peter? Did she attack Peter because she just assumed it was the same guy? Or did he try to attack her and she defended herself? You're not really sure from the audience yeah. perspective. But the cops find her. And again, she's passed out and barely, like, she's physically okay. But, like, mentally she's just out of it. So they give her a sedative. And... So they just assume Peter's the killer. So they think they've caught the killer and he's dead. And good job, guys. And then it's the scariest scene in the movie, in my opinion, is the end. Because Claire's dad has, like, 
an episode like he passes out and so somebody's supposed to stay with jess and instead they all leave to take him to the hospital and they just turn off the lights and billy's still upstairs with claire and mrs mack and no one's found their bodies and yeah that is the scariest scene and that's why i shouldn't have watched it home alone because i haven't gotten my christmas tree down because it's in my attic and i'm not going up there alone at night well, you know, I, what I think is interesting, a lot of people are like, and just as faith is left ambiguous, I'm like, but it's really not. Because Billy always calls after he murders someone. When he calls the first time, he just murdered the girl, the 13-year-old. Oh, and so yeah. it, impl- it implies at the end that he murdered Jess, and that's why he's calling. But there's no one there yeah, to answer the phone. the phone rings over the credits, so. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. Well, I'm going to choose that it's ambiguous and she wakes up and stabs the motherfucker. But yeah, so that's that's probably the saddest part. And then I kind of feel bad for Peter. Not going to lie. Yeah. I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he just it has having an emotional crisis. But again, we don't see him attack Jess. But if he did attack Jess, then justified. But I don't know. Like... I kind of like that you don't really know. I don't. I feel bad for Peter though, because now he's going to be branded a murderer, and he's not. We know of. Yeah. Did you read the? Um, you probably read the original ending that uh, the studio wanted him to have, and he fought to keep the ending, the more ambiguous ending, which I actually like. Um, but the original ending was Chris waking up near Jess's bed, Chris being Claire's boyfriend, yeah. and him going, "You won't tell him. You won't tell them, right, Agnes?" And then he kills her. <gasps> And so, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't go that route. I'm glad that they didn't really give Billy. Um, I don't think Chris like, is Billy. Yeah, I don't either. But that was the original direction that the studio wanted him to go into. Okay. And I think they may have actually filmed the scene too. Ooh, but then, I'd love to see that. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah. So um, I guess that's mm-hmm. what is okay. So I just have a a rating rating for both of them together. But okay. I have a number rating for this movie. What's your number rating for it? I would have to go with a seven. Okay. That's what I did, too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I didn't know if you were going to touch upon this, but my favorite bit of trivia, I would say this is still a, must, a must-see movie. Um. One of my favorite things about classic uh, horror movies, it doesn't have jump scares. I hate jump scares. Um, Yeah. I feel like you can invoke fear without, like, putting a large, like, music. Um, But uh, John Carpenter was a good friend Mm -hmm. of Bob Clark, and he literally was just like, have you ever thought about making a sequel to Black Christmas? He liked Black Christmas. And Bob Clark goes, yeah. I actually did, like, think about setting it a year later. He, uh, the character would be in a mental institution. He escapes on Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And this was a heavy influence on Halloween. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. And so that's John Carpenter uh, originally wrote um, Halloween with kind of like a Black Christmas sequel in mind. Um, but then it evolved into its own thing. And now we know Halloween as Halloween. But, yeah, it's it's amazing to think that was like Bob Clark's like original idea for what a sequel for Black Christmas yeah. would be. Uh, so. I mean, Michael Myers is different than Billy. He doesn't talk ever. Mm-hmm. But... Ooh, I had like chills because it's cold now. It's like it's like in the 30s in the South now, so we're we're having yeah. a cold snap. It was like 60 uh, for Thanksgiving, and then like two days later, it was like, and now it's 32, and there's flurries, and you're like, 
what the fuck? That's Alabama weather is just like that. Um. Anyways, yeah, I, it's it's interesting. I do like that trivia. I think it's cool. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. Yeah, I think we already, the only thing, okay, the only negative I give it, it is a bit of a slow burn, and I wish it mm-hmm. was maybe just a teeny tiny bit more gory. Like, maybe the kills were more gory to make it maybe a little less of a slow burn, because I know you watched it with Taylor, right, and he did not like it. Yeah, Taylor, my husband, was very much like, you know, I, I just, Taylor's a sack word was he thought it was boring. Yeah. He's like, this is a boring movie. However, it's definitely better than the remake. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like I said, this one, even though um, I I wasn't like, oh my god, this is like the best movie ever. There was a lot of things I liked about it. Yes. Um, I like to see how it influenced the slasher genre mm-hmm. over years, too. Because you can see a lot of the beginnings yes. in this movie. Yes. Yeah. I feel like there was something I wrote down and now I can't remember. Oh, okay. Also, by the way, other trivia. The role of Peter was originally originally offered to Malcolm McDowell who turned it down and he regretted oh. it but it's funny because Kier Dulia or Dulia however we say his last name was also in 2001 A Space Odyssey and Malcolm McDowell of course was in A Clockwork Orange and both were mm-hmm. directed by Stanley Kubrick um, Clockwork Orange is fucking frightening it took me two tries yeah. to finish that movie but I really love it um I would say like this movie might be fun to watch with a group of people because you could kind of talk in between but there's not a lot of action. I don't think it's a really... I, it is a slow burn. And I remember the first time I watched it, I watched it with my little brother. And I had I was in college and in a sorority. And I luckily, we didn't live in a house. We lived on the hall, so it wasn't that scary. But I was just like, oh, this is okay. Um, but this was one of those movies like I always wanted to watch. Um, also, apparently, Elvis loves loved this movie. And he watched it every Christmas season. And when Steve Martin met Olivia Hussey, when they were getting ready to, I think... I don't know if she actually was in Roxanne, but she was maybe going to be in Roxanne, and she met Steve Martin at an audition, and he was like, oh my god, I love you, you're in like one of my favorite movies ever, and she thought he was going to say Romeo and Juliet, and he was like, it's Black Christmas, she was like, oh, okay, so Steve Martin approves, which I love Steve Martin, so anything he approves of, I approve of, <laughs> I think, I don't know, until something comes out of the woodwork <laughs> about, don't let it happen to Steve Martin, I love him, um, but yeah, so that's kind of, that's it. That's that's Black Christmas. Okay, so we're back. We're going to discuss Black Christmas 2019. Katie, Katie gets to see all the faces I keep making. Ah, they're great. <laughs> um, yeah. I was just like, what the fuck? So <laughs> we generally, we watch them separate. We watch movies separately because we want to be surprised by each other's reactions. But I will say, like, it, sometimes it helps to watch together. It depends on the movie, I think. Um, but we kind of knew this one looked really stupid. So I honestly, one of the reasons I was reminded about Black Christmas about a month ago when I added it to our list was um, this commercial popped up on my Amazon Prime. And I was like, what the fuck? They remade Black Christmas again? Um, and I looked at it, and, um, it just looked really stupid. Oh, yeah. There's, like, some culty Illuminati shit going on, and, like, Carrie Ellis is in it, and I love him. The best Robin Hood ever is Carrie Ellis from Robin Hood Men in Tights. 
Um, he's so dreamy. But um, he also, if you have seen Saw, he's the doctor in Saw that saws his foot off. Um, and then he subsequently just shows up in a couple other ones. Um, even though he was suing the people in Saw for using his picture without his permission, not paying him for using clips from the first movie and the second movie. Um, anyways, it's an interesting thing. He's also the really weird stepdad in Liar Liar. The Claw. Anyways, he's great. Yeah. I think we've mentioned him before because I feel like I've had this conversation. Carrie Elwes is in this and... Uh, Carrie Elwes has had a really some really good roles, and he's also had some like just really silly roles. Like he's one of those actors that's like, yeah, I'll eat up the scenery. It's fine. I'll be real weird, and I have a cool voice, so it's all great. Um, and that's really one of the reasons why I decided to click on this movie. Also, Imogen Poots, uh, Imogen, yeah, right? Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Weird last name, but cool. She's Poots. also. In this movie, and she was in uh, Green Room, and she did a yes. really good job in Green Room. And so I was like, "Oh, well, she's—I think she's a really good actress. Um, I think she does better with better directors, but that's most actors. Mm-hmm. Um, but she—I think she does a solid performance in this movie, as does Alice or Elise. I'm not really sure how you pronounce her name. It's A L Y S E Shannon, who plays Chris. Mm-hmm. I think she does a pretty good job too. Um, yeah." Marty, who even though she doesn't have a lot of lines, the girl with the boyfriend. Um, yes, Lily Donahue. Yes. And a lot of them I feel bad because, I mean, if you were to look at them on Wikipedia, there's no links to their names. Um, so no. a lot of them, I think this may be their first, their, it may be one of their only credits, which is okay. Uh, we all have to start somewhere. We may be talking about these actresses two years from now, and they're in a major role in a major movie. So there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I, I feel bad. There's a lot of actresses uh, that I had no idea. I've never seen their faces before. Yeah. So. Which kind of helps with the, like, the, mm-hmm. you know, anonymous college student vibe. Like, they seem like they could be college students. Um, here's the thing with this movie. It's extremely loosely based on the original. There are, yes. There are sorority nope. girls. What? No Billy. No Billy. There's no Billy. There are sorority girls. They are being murdered. Um, also, and that's kind of yeah, <laughs> like it's kind of the only thing. And I I think they kind of give the cultiness away in the trailer. Um, so I'm just gonna say this is just spoilers. Yeah. Um. So one of the things I did. Uh. So Sophia talk Ta- Ta- I didn't want to call her Taco. Toko. Ta- maybe. Toko. Toko. Tuckle? 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 Sophia Tuckle. So we'll call her yes. Sophia. Sophia and April. April Wolf was the other writer. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, uh, this. I think this was her first big thing she got to direct. Um. I looked over. She has a, she has a pretty decent filmography. The only thing I recognized her in was VHS 2. Um, I was okay. like, oh, I know exactly what segment she was in, the honeymoon segment. So um, I oh, was okay. like, I remember, I remember the actual... I know the woman as, like, her face. Um, so, uh, she set out to make this as feminist as possible. I identify as a feminist. Um, and, yes. of course, like, we, we believe as feminists that we're not man-haters. What we believe is that men and women are equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and I feel like Sophia was hitting her audiences over the head. Yes. The entire movie. Yes. So much. Okay, so there's some interesting things in this movie. So we start out with a group of girls. Okay, here's the thing. So, yes, we all know 
there's like the cool chick who doesn't give a fuck, like Imogen Poot's character, Riley. There's the SJW, everyone sign my petition girl who's played by Chris. Hey, BT Dubs, is y'all, did you recognize they all had gender neutral names? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Except for Helena. Except, uh, and there's a reason why with Helena. Reason why. Um, oh, yeah. Even Fran could be Francis. Jeez, Louise. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, there's just too much going on. Like, we talked about, which we just released this week, Slumber Party Massacre, how it is a feminist script. But it's not a feminist script because it's beating you over the head with symbolism. It's like, hey, these women are going to tr- take this into their own hands. They're going to protect themselves. And the men might be the stupid ones. And also, oh, it's female characters who have actual characteristics. You know, they're, they're, they're unique people. And that's what makes Slumber Party Massacre an elevated slasher flick. This tries to do that, but instead makes them all stereotypes of feminists. So Riley is like the broken girl who was, like, really pretty, and then she was... And this is... I'm not making fun of this, but this is a stereotype where she was very pretty and vivacious, and she, unfortunately, was sexually assaulted by, like, the president of this fraternity, who's, like, the big fraternity on campus. And when she told on him, like, she got shunned by a lot of people, and so, like, she kind of, like... You see a video of her singing as a freshman the night that happens... And then you see her now, and she's like has all her hair cut off, and she doesn't wear any makeup. And I'm kind of like, I don't think every person who survived sexual assault, because there's a lot of them out there. Um, I myself had not a complete, not a sexual assault, but someone tried to sexually assault me in college. I didn't like change who I was and like stop putting on makeup. I know some people do do that, but I think that's a stereotype, and some people just hide their like depression really well after a trauma like that. So they've got the traumatized girl. And I find that a little cheap, personally. I was a little bit like, do we have to make her where she doesn't, like, put on makeup or, like, she's afraid? I don't know. It just seems – and also it was four years before. So it's like, I feel like at this point, if this was, like, the year before, this would make more sense. I feel like waiting, like, four years – I don't know. Am I crazy or am I just being crazy? I feel like they were trying to make her into, like, this perfect victim – and that was a bad stereotype because everyone grieves differently when trauma happens to them. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There's that. But she does a really good job. I don't think she's a bad performance. I just think no. there's a little too much going on. Then there's Chris with a K who is like the SJW petition girl. And I'm saying SJWs because like they're very like, they're like, oh, Chris has always got a petition. And she's like, kick the, the patriarchy off campus and stuff. And it's just like very broad and very over the top and very like no one talks like this. And then you've got Marty who's just the girl with the boyfriend. She doesn't have a personality. It's just her boyfriend is always hanging around. She's really pretty. She is very pretty. <laughs> but like that's like her whole thing. And there's Jesse who's just the dumb one who's just like, "Do I have to cook ham?" And you're like, "She's cute though." She's I cute, do like her. but like her her lines are just so stupid. And then we have, who's only in this movie for the beginning, because she's, like, the early kill. She's, like, the Claire kill. She's not the Claire kill, but she's, like, one of the one of the early kills. Fran, who, <laughs> this is the most, okay, this is the most bizarre scene, and I think we had to pause the movie and discuss this, because I was like, what the fuck just happened? She comes into 
Riley's room in the beginning. It's kind of like, you remember, like, the beginning of Legally Blonde where, like, everyone's walking through the sorority house doing their thing? It's like that, except she comes up to uh, Riley and she's like, I lost my diva cup. And she's like, how did you lose your diva cup? She's like, skillfully or something like, she says some quip. And she's quirky, and she's, like, got funny glasses on. She's like, I'm so quirky. She's like, I lost my diva cup. I need something. So Riley hands her a a pad, a sanitary napkin. And instead of, like, running away and being like, thanks, friend, which is what most people would do, she literally unzips her pants, unwraps the pad, which, by the way, if you have pubic hair at all. Yes. Exactly. It's it going to get stuck. that shit. It is. Yeah. I, okay. For those who have never worn a pad, the worst feeling in the world is that it gets stuck to your pubic hair because it's going to yeah. rip that shit out. You might as well just yeah. get it waxed. I mean. And you have to be careful because, like, you, you want to wear them overnight when you sleep because you don't want to leave a tampon in overnight. Eight hours. Not good for your body. Yeah. So, usually in the morning you wake up. Yeah. And you, you get ripped out. Unless you shave, yeah, strategically, yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> so she just she just shoves it in her underwear in front. I mean, of her can friend. you like this would not happen? Oh, this so is not no. the way this works. This is like I'm sorry. It is, ri- it is written and directed and acted by women. Yeah, that's what like Brit's like. Was this written by a man? And we would look it up and we're like, what the fuck? It's written by two women. Like maybe maybe their college is just quirkier than ours, but we went to a pretty quirky college. Like, our college is a liberal arts school. Like, there's quirky people all about. That's why we liked it. Like, I don't remember anyone ever changing a pad in front of me if it wasn't in the bathroom. Or even, I don't know. Like, why would yeah. I put, t- why, why? At least- I would never, I don't think I ever heard of a woman not unzipping her pants and putting a pad in. Like, you literally pull your pants down, down. pull your underwear down, lay it in your underwear, and make sure it's smoothed and down, and yeah. then pull your panties up. And also, like, I don't. Oh, so yeah, it's it's so no, stupid. Good. Also, I know we're harping on this, but this is just one of the stupid things. The other thing about the character of Fran, which I hope I'm, I think I picked the right actress out. I think her she does is Fran is played by Natalie Morris. This isn't a slight at the actress, by the way. She's quirky and doing what they're telling her to do. Um, like her, <laughs> the only two characteristics they give her is she's quirky, she loses her diva cup, and she's Jewish. And she just, yeah. like, keeps talking about being Jewish. She's just like, Merry Christmas from this Jew to you. And you're like, why do we need to know that? It would be one thing if, like, she ends up, like, going to her, like, neighborhood temple and gets murdered there or something happens. Like, you know in It, in the first one, where, oh, sh- I can't remember his name, but the redheaded kid in the, you know who I'm talking about, where he goes, to, he he's trying to, which kid is it? Okay. What? It's the it's the kid who has the scary. There's the scary picture in his temple. Oh 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 oh! Fuck Stan. Um, Is um, it Stan? Uh, no, no, Stanley. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, yeah, I'm thinking Stan. of Stan. I'm thinking yeah. of Stan. Okay. So Stan. Yeah. But I I don't know if maybe I got Seth Green mixed up with. Did he not play Stan as a kid? I thought he did. Uh, I thought he, I thought he played Riz Toyser Tozer as a kid. Oh you. Mm. Anyways. Anyway. Okay. Sorry. It's not even the miniseries I'm talking about, and I'm getting. I was just like, Seth Green! Ah! I don't know. Anyways, the character of Stan, in It, his, like, scary scene with It takes place in a temple because he's preparing for his bar mitzvah. It makes sense to let us know his religion. 
Nobody else is like being creepy, like overly Christian because it's Christmas. So I'm like, so the only two things we know about this character is she loses her sanitary period stuff and she also is Jewish. And that's all we know about her. And then she gets murdered. And I was like, we didn't need to know any of that. Ooh, I don't get but it. Friend- Friend is like my favorite kill, if I'm not mistaken, in this one, because she has to exorcise three kill. Yeah, is, is yeah. she the one? Okay, they, this movie copies a lot of shit. Like, like, yeah. So, anyways, but she's like, it's almost like the quirky character. It's almost like the pixie manic pixie dream girl kind of thing. Like, it's just like nobody's really like this. You're setting everyone up for disappointment. Nobody's this quirky. Um, but, I don't know. But they do set a menorah around. I keep seeing menorahs in the background. So maybe the writer is Jewish. And maybe she just went to put it in there. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. There's something weird when you can just tell when a writer is, like, putting in an ethnicity or a religion or something just to say it's in there for diversity's sake. Well, this also, um, not saying that she w- she was purposely doing this, but you this movie is also rated PG-13. Uh, the first two Black Christmases, the original that we discussed in the 2006 uh, remake, were both radar. I feel like this movie was almost like you sit there and like you're a kid and you watch these movies with your friends at like a sleepover and you're like, that's you! And that's you! That's what it felt like. You ever did that when you're friends? Yeah, you oh, definitely. To be, yeah. I was uh, Ginger Spice on the Spice Girls because mm. I could do a British accent. I was not redheaded. I, there wasn't any redheads in my class though, so uh yeah i mean yeah i just feel like i don't know it was just weird i don't know yeah we just like i was just like why is it i feel like like belittling a character to simply their religion and their sanitary napkin (laughs) issue yeah it's just like i'm like it's not a character it's a characteristic but it's not it's not like it doesn't mean anything it's not like where you have jess where she's having a complicated relationship issue or Claire, where she's like, I'm the virgin, and I, I don't know, I want to sleep with my new boyfriend, and she doesn't get the chance to. Like, it's not, it doesn't add anything. It's just like, they just want to be like, oh, and we also had a Jewish character, so it's not just a bunch of Christian white girls. Oh, and one black girl. Cool. Yeah. Like, that's true. Well, well no, um, the sweet one is black, too. Oh, yeah. So, two. Yeah. Well, I'm, well so, that survives, I guess. I don't know. Like, but I mean, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Oh, I'm like, yeah. Is it, they're just, I don't know. It seems cheap. It seems like they. This is also, it's bad when I can't remember names really well. I like, only know it doesn't let down. you. Yeah, it's not, I felt like when I can't remember names of characters, I don't really feel as invested in them. But yeah, it definitely feels like, um, yeah, they're not really fully. Uh, I would out say characters. they're, yeah. Exactly, they're they're one dimensional characters. Mm-hmm. I I would definitely say that. There is also a guy named Landon that shows a, ish, a interest in Riley, mm-hmm. and and he's the perfect he's, hipster. Yeah, he's very much. A <laughs> he hipster. goes. She's yeah. a barista. He goes to see her barista, and he's a DJ, and he wears round glasses. And the moment I saw him, I was like, oh, he's going to be the hipster white knight in shining armor, isn't he? And he was. He indeed is. He's nice. Yeah. I would have liked there to be a twist where he turned out to be a bad guy, but they there wasn't. Um, so the first kill in this one is the sand kill, which I'm looking at the picture, and that is definitely sand. Um, I yeah. think her name's Lindsay, the first girl that's killed. 
she's mm-hmm. like walking home and they're getting all these weird text messages from Calvin Hawthorne, who's the fictional founder of their college, Hawthorne University or Hawthorne College. It's obviously like a New England college, like 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 a like a Harvard or a Yale. It's got really old buildings and stuff. It's just cool. It's a cool setting. I like old buildings. We went to a school that everything was really old. So, like, I like that, that collegiate feel. Um, but also, like, so she gets murdered and her body gets drugged through the snow that is very obviously sand. <laughs> and then, like, okay, I felt like this was one of the worst aspects of the movie was the, the um, cinematography. They kept using, like, digital zooms and, like, really badly edited like it was obviously like they only got one shot and then they just kind of digitally would zoom in or focus on something but it would be like out of focus or weird and it was just there was a lot of that and I was like this is very amateur I know it's Blumhouse I know Blumhouse makes things very cheaply and then they end up making money for it anyways because of the fact that they made it for nothing but you know I'm kind of like could we at least get like a real cinematographer? Like it can't cost that much to fucking physically zoom the camera in. Like, yeah, I don't get it. Um, oh no, you talk a little bit more, Britt. I'm sorry, I went on a rant. No, here. you're good. You're good. You're good. I was just listening. Um, so yeah, so um, so it's almost like a Twitter account that this it's a picture of the bus and the bus got removed. So that was the first thing that um that Chris had done, she had a petition to get the bus removed of the, mm-hmm. the founder of the school because he, like, was misogynist and racist. Um, so, anyway, early on in the movie, Riley uh, sees, like, a initiation uh, ceremony happening with the new pledge before the girls are supposed to go on. Not Riley. Riley choreographed this, like, dance for one of their charities. Yes. The girls are supposed to go on and perform Well, Helena is almost, like, sexually assaulted while she's drunk by one of the frat boys. And so Riley sends her home in an Uber, which is nice. She sent her in an Uber, didn't let her walk home by herself. And then uh, Riley hesitantly takes the place of Helena. They perform a, like, redemption of, um, you know, up on the rooftop. But the Mm -hmm. lyrics are about Riley being raped Mm -hmm. um, and the sexual assault that happens on campus. Um, So... They get, like, booed and jeered by the guys, but a lot of the girls are, like, the allies are cheering for them. Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, it's like, oh. And so, like, the fictional, like, founder of the school, there's, like, a Twitter account. And they're like, oh, my God. Like, he keeps texting and, you know, just, like, Mm -hmm. all this bullshit. And it's like, okay, it's not the, the first half of the film. I wouldn't say it's bad. I would say it's just more poorly made, maybe. Like, it's watchable. I think it's the second mm. half to me that's the train wreck. Yeah, I mean, opinion. I like the surprise of, like, the lyrics and that performance. And that part I mm. like. I like that yeah. they're sticking it to a rapist. That's awesome. Yeah. And oh, yeah. it's not overdone at that point. The humor's overdone. But that specific point, I was like, um, it makes sense. Like, one of the like uh marty's boyfriend nate is there and he's like oh yeah i'm just here to take pictures but really he's filming it so he can put it on youtube to make people watch it and we have carrie elwes being kind of like the weird misogynistic um man professor and they're trying to get him kicked off campus and he 
says some really weird quote about like women don't know what what's good for them and he's like see a woman wrote that so i'm not sexist i was like okay yeah exactly so that's the thing chris is like having a petition to get him removed because he doesn't believe in teaching female writers um and then he says some choice things to riley later on that i'm like a professor definitely could not say that to a student and he we know he's definitely like um a, I, I guess in fraternity, what would they call them once they graduate? Uh, um, alumni. Alum. Yeah, he is an alum. Okay, yeah, so he's an alum of the main fraternity that uh, Riley's rapist is currently the president of. So right. it's like he's no, very... No, I, think, I think he was the president. I don't think he's the president He was more. the president, too? I think he's graduated. Oh, he was. I think he was, okay. like, the president when he raped her, and that was, like, her, when she was a freshman. Oh, he comes back to judge. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they're all, like, alums of this creepy fraternity. And it's the founder's fraternity. So whoever the founder of the school was was in that fraternity, I guess. Oh, I think it's the um, Hawthorne. Nathaniel right, right, Hawthorne. Yeah. yeah. Is that his name? Yes. No, no, no. Okay, no, perfect. Nathaniel <laughs> Hawthorne is a real writer. He's a writer. <laughs> Calvin Hawthorne is a fictional character Calvin. in this movie. Okay, it's, it's Calvin Hawthorne's yes. uh, fraternity. And that's why the bus was moved from the school to the actual right. fraternity hall. Yeah, so yeah. uh she uh when she's backstage, um, Riley does see them in creepy robes, which okay. I mean, I'm not allowed to say what happens behind closed doors for my sorority, but if your fraternity or sorority is wearing cre- creepy black robes with hoods, maybe don't join. I'm just letting you know. There's probably something real creepy going on, sinister I, I don't know any fraternities or sororities that actually wear robes like that when they do initiation. Like, there's always rumors, but, like, generally it's pretty tame because, like, you don't want to get sued. <laughs> um, but, so there, and there's some black goo coming out of their, um, out of the bust. And I thought it was ink at first, and I was like, is it because they're writers? That's gross. Okay. Um, and anyways, they, they run out of there and, oh, what are you laughing at? Oh, what's what the, what the ink, what the ink is supposed to represent? What is it? Semen? <laughs> uh, I didn't know if you wanted me to ruin it yet or if we, I should wait closer to the ending. Did they say it in the movie and I missed it? They didn't say it in the movie, but I read about it and I just like oh. want to hit my head against the desk oh, okay, okay. as hard well, as I could. Should... <laughs> anyways, so yeah. there's this creepy ink, right? And then people start getting murdered. I mean, really, that's then then everyone starts getting murdered. So yeah, um, Fran's already been murdered. Somebody else gets murdered. Hel- Helena disappears. The girl that was attacked by her yes. boyfriend Phil, or almost so. Uh, so yeah. So Marty. So Marty's boyfriend. I forgot the name. So basically, Nate. yeah. He. Um, so they they start so. Carrie, Carrie's character, like, implies, like, oh, yeah, so, you know, uh, your performance. I don't really know a lot about things going viral, but it has, like, 30,000 hits. And you may, like, he doesn't say it like this, but he mm-hmm. implies she may get sued or expelled um, because she uh, has pointed fingers. And that's another reoccurring theme that no one really believes her rape other than her friends. Right. Um, so they're discussing at the dinner table. And it was so upsetting because, like, her, her boyfriend, who you believe to be an ally, like, is like, well, what, would you, what did you expect? You were going to piss a bunch of men off. And I was like, but literally, like, okay, 
I get what you're saying, but it's like you're supportive of them. You are filming this, and yet if you had these reservations, you didn't tell them like, hey, girls, you know, yeah. going into this, you know. So I just felt a little bit like it, it felt like unnecessary conflict to get him out of the house. Yeah, like exactly. This, it yeah. seems like coming out of nowhere. And not that you ha- – I've had discussions with that with a partner who was like, not every man is a rapist. I was like, I agree. Yeah. I don't think that, but – you do have to call out the rapists, so it, exactly. they become their own group. It's not men against women. It's like everybody against this terrible individual who committed a terrible crime, in my and opinion. I get, I get what she put in the script because, of course, we do hear a lot of men that are like, not all men. And we're like, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah, but at the know. same time. But and so, but it felt weird to have it come from that character who seems so wholeheartedly right. supported he was, up he's until like that boyfriend. point. Like, we've all had that boyfriend that hung out with all of our friends and he got along with everybody mm-hmm. like good guys exist and yeah I, that's not the kind of guy who's gonna be like i understand why you like are so surprised that you're getting hurt like because they're mad um but at first it's just like like they think it's just a prank and then somebody starts shooting arrows into their house after he leaves and they start fighting off people and Jesse goes to get Christmas lights, and she gets murdered. Um, and then it's hard to remember because this movie was such a trend. yeah. Um, so it's actually um, it is Marty that gets murdered next, and I do like Marty because it's at this point it's like Marley, Marty, Chris, and Riley, and Marty's already injured, and she does make the decision mm-hmm. to fight and try to hold him back or whoever the attacker is back while Chris and Riley get away. Creepy robed masked figure. Mm-hmm. After Nate tries to come, and Nate's like, I'm gonna save my girlfriend, and then there's this weird noise that keeps happening, and the men around keep getting headaches, and um, they don't really fully explain that. They explain it a little bit. It's like a brainwashing, like, EMP or something. I don't know. And, like, he goes all alpha, look, I'm gonna protect my woman, and then he gets immediately murdered. Um, and yeah. And Marty ends up trying to fight the guys off, and she ends up dying. And she does keep them back for a while. And then, finally, they do end up killing one of the guys. Um, but... There's no blood. There's this black ink. Like, they've they've been fighting and they've been covered in what you think is blood. And then they're like, what is this? This isn't isn't blood. This is something else. And do we... Should we... I don't know. What is it? What is it? Because I didn't read this. Uh, So there's two reasons they did this. One, they wanted to keep the PG-13 rating in so they couldn't show red blood. uh, Because it would be deemed too violent. Two, it's literally toxic masculinity leaking out of them. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> I hear the meeting in my head of like, and then, then it's you. It's it's like literally toxic masculinity coming Guys, through your veins. We need this to be PG thirteen because girls are going to be dropped off at the theaters with their friends to see this movie. We can't have blood being red, so we're going to make it black. Oh my god, what what does it mean if it's black? What if it is literally <laughs> toxic <laughs> masculinity? Oh my god. Like, this is so. I feel like they may have had like multiple glasses of wine right? and they, they just kept screaming, Yes, girl, at each other as they were writing. Yes, yes, queen, yes. Like, I, here's the thing 
We all oh, hate toxic God. masculinity, but <sighs> you're just going too far. This is why, like, they're just beating. This is the point where the movie just starts beating you over the head with the message of yes, toxic masculinity sucks and fuck the patriarchy. Which cool, whatever. Yeah, we can agree with that. That's we fine. can agree with that. Fuck the patriarchy. Yeah. Um, but. Don't beat me over the head with it. I get it. I'm a woman. I don't think many men were going to go see this movie anyways. So, like, I don't understand why you need to be so preachy because we all understand it. Okay? We get it. And there's not, like, a I, child that's going to be watching this movie. At least, God, I hope It's not. just more, like, it would be something, like, it would be like, oh, like, it's all the things I'm like, yes, a feminist horror movie. Yes. This is, this is wonderful. And then it's like, and you've gone too far. And now you've yes. alienated even your most, <laughs> like, even the most diehard feminists are going to be like, whoa, what? So, well, I don't know. My, <laughs> I have a, a relative who, okay, like, okay, here's the thing. There's being a feminist and there's liking a shitty movie just to pretend you're a feminist. And that movie was Ghostbusters 2016. And I did have a relative who was like, I thought it was great. And I thought they were joking and i laughed out loud because that movie was fucking horrendous i haven't seen it but i legitimately have a friend that i keep meaning to have the conversation with because she loves that movie that's like one of her comfort movies and i need to ask her why she why she likes it so much it's but she yeah but she i mean she's a sweetheart like she's not like a you know so i mean like for me i'm just like it's interesting is it just like a comfort movie because it just somehow spoke to her or what does she like about it i need to talk with her so i need to watch it before i go weigh in it's terrible don't pay for it it's not worth it (laughs) it's so bad it's i literally chuckled maybe twice in the entire movie i was like "Uh okay oh it's really bad. <laughs> oh, hey, actually, I really wanted to, uh, so I keep thinking, real quick, I was reading my notes, I keep thinking that it was, um, fuck. <laughs> oh, I can't remember her name. It wasn't, um, Pad Girl that got taken out of Exorcist 3 shot, that was Jessie. Oh, I made no, no, Jessie's the one that is getting the light bulbs in the basement, and then she gets scared. Oh. okay, maybe that's what it is. Okay, then maybe it was. Fran... Fran, thank you. Fran, Fran, the pad man. She's a woman. Sorry. I don't know. No, it's okay. Okay. Well, anyway, so at this point in the movie, which is actually like the last like half hour, so there's not a lot to get through at this point. Um, Yeah, this movie drags the fuck on until the half hour. (laughs) Yeah, you're just like, okay. Um, So like Chris and Riley get in the car and Riley is like, we need to go fight the fraternity. She doesn't say it like that. And then Chris is like, no, we need to go to the police. And so Riley's like, fuck this, I'm going to fight the fraternity. That's not, like, how it really happens, but in my head, that's how yeah. it happens. Oh, and you do and, find yeah. out, or what, my you favorite, say this. My favorite twist in the, the movie. The only really good twist in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, so there's a bumbling cop in this one, too. and But there's no good cop. There's only a bumbling cop. And you, he, they have complained to him that they've been getting weird pranks. Somebody's diva cup is missing. Oh, and they they stuck the cat's paws in the black stuff. So Mm. they were like, oh, poor kitty cat. Whose name is Claudette? Claudette. So we have Claude and then Claudette. Yeah. Oh, the house mother dies at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't there a house mother? Yeah, because her name's also Mrs. Mack. Um, Mm. Yeah. So they've already told the cops. So then the cop gets a call that there's been an attack at 
one of the sorority houses, and it's like 1974 Elm Street, because, duh, 1974 is the original Black Christmas and Elm Street, duh. Anyways, so he runs, and he goes to the house, and it's a different sorority house fighting yeah. off the guys. And you're like, oh, so it's not just this one sorority house. It's all of them are getting attacked by multiple people in hooded cloaks. Yeah, um, and I like that. I was like, oh, that was clever. That was so. clever. It was good, and the cop immediately gets murdered by one of them. But um, basically, Chris and Riley escape, and they're gonna they're, they take Nate's car, and they're gonna try to drive away. But then I think she's I don't know why, but Riley's like, I gotta we gotta like save everybody and fight the bastards, and she jumps out of the car. Um, and so then while Chris is parked. Uh, a bunch of other girls from other sororities are like, hey, we all got um, attacked too. And so they all get in the car together. And then um, Riley is like, I don't, this is like a weird switch. Like all of a sudden Riley is just like hell bent on revenge. But like, she's just like acting like a different person. But nothing really happened to precipitate it. She's just all of a sudden acting like like a, like the Terminator, like barely talking and she, yeah. she runs into Landon, who's supposed to be, go, like, hanging out with her that night. And he's like, hey, I got the videotape we're going to watch. And she's just like, you, come with me. And it's weird and it's just awkward. Yeah, she does. She says something like, she, he's like, what What do you, because she keeps walking past him. And mm-hmm. he's naturally confused. And he's like, what do you want to do? And she's like, do you really want to help me? And so, like, yeah. and the same cuts to them. Come with me if you want to live. Yeah, exactly. Like, come with me if you want to live. Um, but then they're at the fraternity house. And I'm not sure how the hell landing gets in the fraternity house but he does so then him and riley are in the fraternity house oh no it's the 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 rock key key rock oh like okay you know the hide a key like she she sees carrie ellis's character use it and obviously he's doing that so he can lure her in duh Mm -hmm. um and so she's like okay but i need you to go in so he's supposed to distract them but then they also have like the supersonic sound that makes him be go all alpha male yeah, and that really bothered me, too, because to me, insinuated, I think it would have been more cool, it would have been sadder, but I think it would have been more cool if Landon was, like, a legitimately good guy, wasn't able to be lured by it, and then they killed him because he refused to, like, fight against Riley or Herder. Yeah, and it's just... Instead, it gave me the message that, like, oh, even a good guy like Landon could be influenced. Like, yeah, I didn't like it, so... Yeah, I don't like it at all. So, so she wa- she gets knocked out and wakes up and Helena, oh, she finds Helena tied up and she's like, "Oh, I'm here to rescue you." And then she's like, <laughs> "Bitch, please." And then she gets knocked out and the creepy boyfriend is there and she wakes up and she's in the creepy fraternity room, which I'm sorry, that's the biggest fucking chapter room I've ever seen in my entire life. It's huge. It's got, like, multiple levels and stages and lighting. And I was like, man, that is, like, some fancy-ass chapter room. Uh, Most of the time, chapter rooms just have, like, a really big table for everyone to sit at. And that's pretty much it, usually, Um, in my experience. But, again, we didn't have houses on our campus because in the county our school was in, it would be a brothel. So we couldn't have our own house. We had to just live on the hall. Um, You know, because it's obviously a brothel. Anyways... Um, she wakes up, and there is her friend, Landon, and he's now one of them. And Helena's like, see, so they basically say that they've put a curse 
they've used the bust of Calvin Hawthorne that emits this toxic masculinity, and they've been initiating pledges to be part of the army of dude bros who <laughs> are going to avenge any woman who isn't the perfect specimen of womanhood. So Helena has given in and she is going to be a perfect woman. And so that's how she got everyone. And she's like, how could you do this to your sisters? And she's like, don't, aren't you sick of fighting? Aren't you? I'm like, I'm sorry. Who the fuck would be okay with this? Nobody. Nobody yeah. would fucking be okay with this. Um, but so they're initiating everyone with the black toxic masculinity. And I mean, why does this movie even take place during Christmas? I, 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 I can't even figure that out. Yeah. Like, it's just like, I guess they were like, and we're going to have some snow that's not really snow, it's sand, and we're going to have some Christmas trees. And And a menorah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and then, so, okay, and then there's, like, the the thing, so then you think it's all over, she's going to get murdered by them, and then Helena gets murdered instead, Mm -hmm. and apparently, like, they have to have a like a token of each girl so they had Fran's diva cup they had a comb from what's her face from Riley they have like like a scrunchie from someone something stupid like that um and so basically they've just been giving the pledges who are brainwashed the names of girls that they need to be done away with and so what was I saying uh so anyways so She's about to die. <laughs> and her sisters come into the rescue. And I think I called it at the beginning of the scene. I was like, they're going to have to smash that bust of Calvin, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's going to be that's going to be what happens. So, they start fighting and they're all armed with just weird things. Like one girl has a menorah, somebody has like a fire poker. People have their keys. And I mean, like I get that they were like scrimmaging to get stuff, but like only one person brought real weapons. And I think that's Chris and she is an arrow and she is like yeah. literally the only person who brought an actual weapon. And of course, Riley ends up fighting her rapist. So like she, she does like defeat him. And it is a kind of a cool scene. This is like, it's a cool fight scene. Cause it's surprising. You're like, Oh, this is cool. And it's fun. It's fun. It, this part's yeah. fun. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Um, and basically I will say this there is some dialogue I did want to touch on this the oh. only thing that just like kind of killed me is that like he's like yeah I think there's a scene where literally he goes yeah stay down bitch yeah bitch oh and, yeah like, that's like uh, how he talks the and I'm just like yeah. yes the rapist keeps going bitch bitch kneel bitch. bitch and I was like does anyone actually use bitch that often except for um Jesse and uh what's <laughs> Breaking Bad yeah, doesn't he? Say I know Jesse. He does say it. He does say yeah, bitch all the time. Yeah, so very true. Uh, maybe they just watch a lot of Breaking Bad. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, obviously Riley smashes the bust, and I don't know. Does everyone die or something? Ah, uh, they. It's like they. <laughs> this is awful. I can't remember. I'm like, ah. Uh, she smashes the bus or something. They like. I don't know. Cause the next thing I know, all the girls run out, and Landon runs out, and then they lock them in and burn the house. Yeah. Burn and I don't know. Burn. 
I don't even know the reaction that the no. they have. They I want to say they're like weathering, and she's just staring at the house burning, and that's how the movie ends. Yeah. Well, Landon does go. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, and I'm just like, yeah. And they're just oh. like, oh, it's fine. We get it. He's like, it wasn't me. Also, by the way, the camera zoom that is ripping off the Exorcist three was digital. Mm-hmm. Oh. Is there something like is there something really difficult about doing a zoom with a video camera cuz I know how to do a zoom and I'm not very good at videographing but I don't think it's that hard. You just turn the little thing. Why do you need a digital zoom? It looks stupid. Maybe is it something maybe they decide to add in post production? Oh, I'm sure, and but it, that's cuz they're too yeah. lazy to think about their filming beforehand. That's the problem yeah. about this movie. It's the laziness. Like the fact that you don't give Fran any personality but then you kill her. Um, you, you don't give anyone anything tangible except for Riley. Everyone else is just a stock character and they're boring and you don't really develop their friendships. Like, you just, it's it's like, okay. Um, and I did not come up with this. This is definitely from the Red Letter Media review of Star Wars. But in the second, if episode two, Attack of the Clones. So Hayden Christensen is now playing Anakin Skywalker, right? And, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by Ian McGregor. So, instead of showing you how those two characters became such good friends and showing them through, um, like, friendship or, like, scenes or something, um, they just keep talking about all the good times they've had over there. It's like, remember that time? Remember that old one time? Like, people don't do that. I mean, you do reminisce with your friends, but, like show that you have a relationship through action it's a movie it's not a book you should show that they are close together honestly i think fran and riley had the most friendly relationship because she was willing to change her pad in front of her um and they were like fun friends so like i it's just like there's no character development and i don't like any of these people the only person who has character development is riley and it's fine, but I feel like they just threw in all the other characters just to save her at the end. Like, there's not really a reason to have these characters, and they don't develop them, and it's boring, and it's a missed opportunity. You look at Slumber Party Massacre, and you're like, wow, this may be like a, what, 70-minute movie slasher film, but it's tight. The characters have characters, and they're not caricatures of people, and it's just interesting. This is just like... It's just like, we're just going to throw out these personality traits just so they have some kind of personality, but they don't really. Like, they didn't work hard to develop these characters, and it seems like a slap-together script. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. She set out with an idea, and it could have been something interesting, but instead she took the most basic approach I've yeah. ever seen. The In- most basic, laziest mm-hmm. approach I've seen. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I, mean, it is so loosely related to the original Black Christmas. I don't think there was even a point to really say it was Black Christmas or tied right. into Black Christmas. There's no reason. At least the 2006 one. And again, I haven't gotten to see it because it, it wasn't streaming when I went to go try to watch it. Because that was my other choice was to do that one. It has Billy in it. It has his background. It focuses on, like, Christmas time. That's why they're isolated. I think the first movie, the original, does such a good job of using the environment of an isolated campus 
because there's nothing creepier like i used to be a student worker in college and so i would work during the breaks and there was nothing weirder than campus being pretty much empty um it's kind of creepy so like i they use that to their advantage this one like it barely feels like it's even christmas break there's people everywhere like it doesn't seem like it's christmas break so the only thing is that it's snowing like it's just like it doesn't use its environment it doesn't need to be black christmas it could just be like the the toxic masculinity murders like do that i don't like it's so dumb and i don't know it's just like it's just like a waste it's a fucking waste of time um but if you just want to watch the beginning the fran scene and then fast forward to the end that would be okay yeah um yeah or if you just want to say you watched every blumhouse movie um if you want to say you want to watch uh 2019 american slasher films that are rated pg-13 um this may be up your list uh. <laughs> it's not I wouldn't waste your time what's your rating on it Brett oh I gave it a three me too really we're on <laughs> yeah. a roll tonight <laughs> I'm like I can't even like Dane a four like it was bad and we haven't really done any bad movies even Slumber Party Massacre was good even yeah. though it was simple um, I would say the most polarizing um, movie to me that we reviewed was Climax and I still think I gave Climax a six or a seven yeah, because Climax actually, like, does something. It does. Like, it's polarizing, but at least you... I mean, you can appreciate it as a work of art. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a a Grindhouse Girl rating for these okay, movies? Okay, so I have one that we cannot use because we will never be able to put it anywhere. Um, and one that's just stupid. So this one we cannot do, but... It makes perfect sense. It has the first movie in the first part, the second in the second part. It's rated C for cunts and cults. Oh, yeah. I wish we could use that one. But we can't. Oh, goodness. Uh, I guess we could say see you next Tuesdays and see if people get it. Um, and then rated S for sisters and SJWs. There you go. I, we should uh, have a toxic max- masculinity one, but... I know. I wish. I wish I could think of something clever to do a toxic and another T. Um, I also Ooh. have a stupid one. You go on. Topple the patriarchy and toxic masculinity. I don't know. No, it's stupid. Yeah. No, it's not stupid. Um, yes, it is. So <laughs> mine, mine is mine is stupid. Um, I put. <laughs> um, I put S for slashing through sororities in a small little attic space. Flashing for sororities in a small little attic space. I mean, that's cute. <laughs> I don't know if people would, like, hear it the way I'm thinking it, or if people would just be reading, like, S for slashing for sororities in a small little attic space. What? We could so, just do the first part, slashing through sororities. Yeah. I think we should do Flash. that. Let's just do the yeah. first part. Even though I really like the whole thing, I think I think it might be too long to put on the title card. Well, they do do that, and they, Billy does that, and the cult does do that in um, both movies. Yeah, so I was trying so. to figure out a way to kind of tie the movies together, even though there's no there's no really little attic spaces in the 2019 one. No, so. there's not. I just, the whole thing is just so bad. I'm just so disappointed in it. Um, but I knew it was going to be bad. Like, But I thought it would be a little more funny bad. I don't mm-hmm. think it's, it's not interesting enough to be funny bad. Like... You look at, like, Trick or Treat, which isn't... I'm not saying Trick or Treat is bad, but it's, like, funny. 
Yeah, it's it is kind fun. of lighthearted, but it's still well made. You know, like you can tell that someone put effort into it, and um, this one is not like that at all. So it's kind of terrible. So <laughs> don't waste your time unless you just really have to see every Blumhouse movie ever. Is my opinion. So yes. So, uh, we are wrapping up this episode. We have decided, normally we would pick a movie, um, but since we're taking a couple weeks off, I'm taking the time to see if there's anything new and brilliant that uh, Mm -hmm. will hit streaming networks that hopefully we can scrounge up. We're going to be working on our master list. Um, For -hmm. those of you listening, please, if you have recommendations, uh, we have a good friend, uh, Clark. Uh, Hey there, Clark. uh, That always, always, always is giving us some great recommendations. We add them to the master list. Um, Be a Clark. Give us some recommendations. Tell us some movies. Tell us some movies that you think we should watch. Um, We are always on the Mm -hmm. lookout. Um, Better yet, if they're streaming, that we could possibly share them with you guys on easy streaming search. uh, You know, yeah, such as Hulu, Netflix, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, I hope um, I'm going to, you know, give my little message. And I know Katie got some things to say. Um, I know this has been a rough year for us. Um, As we look forward to 2021, I'm hoping this... um, this next year will bring us um, time again with our family and friends. Uh, hopefully, me and Katie will be able to start filming in person Yay. with each other versus at, um, at our separate desks across Skype. Um, we're Even ready. though it's fun to go it to bed fun. as soon as we're done filming. Yes, very, it very true. It would be nice to film together. It would be nice to film together, but it's also nice to go to bed. That's very true. <laughs> um, but hopefully, we will be back celebrating um, with families and friends again very soon. Be able to give a lot of you guys uh hugs um i'm missing giving my friends hugs at this point um but i'm hoping you're staying safe and healthy uh please wear your mask please wash your hands um please take care of yourself um if you if your body needs sleep don't feel guilty about taking that extra nap please this is a reminder drink your water um and i hope you have a safe and happy new year we are so looking forward to seeing you in 2021 yes i don't think i can top that um but i did want to say um, I just want to thank everybody for listening and for sharing and for liking. And I really want to thank Britt because I literally had no clue what I wanted to do. I just knew I needed somebody who was more eloquent than me and had a vast knowledge of movies and who enjoyed scary movies and talking about movies. And um, this was just supposed to be a way to use our degree for fun and to not feel like we weren't using our degrees and it turned into a lot more for me. Um, I went through a lot of changes this year, um, a relationship fizzling out after a decade. That was rough. Um, I had two deaths in my family that were unexpected. And of course, 2020 was just God awful. (laughs) So like, I'm really glad I had the podcast. I think it's really helped me through it and it wouldn't be possible without you guys and without Britt and all of our friends who support us, even even the ones that don't listen every week, but they just like it or they subscribe to it. Um, we really appreciate it. But share it, please, with other people because we know there's at least a few hundred of you that listen. So it would be nice to have a few thousand friends to listen because things are always better when everyone's together. Um, but I do want to thank – I don't want to get too sappy. I want to thank everybody um, because this was just kind of a hobby and it's – 
it feels real now. And um, we are actually somebody's number one listen to podcast, our friend Clark. So thank you, Clark. I was like, I'm so grateful and thankful. And I'm honored that we're somebody's most listened to podcast. Yeah, because um, I saw their... Ride. I saw their minutes, and it was like they listened to us for over a thousand minutes. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I don't know if you're actually listening or if you're just playing it. I'm just kidding. I listen to all my podcasts. Um, I don't even know what my most listened one is. I'm guessing it's probably my favorite murder because I do listen to that one every week, whereas other ones I'll listen to every other week, and it's pretty long. Um, but thank you for letting us into the world of podcasting and letting us into your home and hearts, not to get too sappy. And, (laughs) and thank you, Katie. So, I mean, Katie is the one, uh, I always like to say, if this is our child, Katie is definitely the mother. Uh, she, she carries the majority of this thing. I'm the father. I hold her hand. I help her with things, but this is, this is really Katie's baby. I just kind of helped her conceive it. Um, so yeah. It wouldn't have been conceived without you, Britt. It would have been really poor if I couldn't even remember people's fucking names. You know, whereas Britt's just like, it's fine. It's all good. Also, her suffering through the first three episodes of me just talking and being too sweet to be like, excuse me. Um, and then me listening to the edits and be like, oh, holy fuck. Katie, shut up. This is what we call trial and error. Um, I'm sure even <laughs> as this thing becomes bigger and grows bigger, we'll go back and listen to episodes that we were like, this was a really good episode. Yeah. And we're like, mm, we probably okay. should have tricks. I mean, that's. Okay. I think that's the beauty of um, being in this machine is that the more you do it, the more you learn, the more you grow, and the more you're able to offer your audience. Um, yes. And a lot of that, again, is really feedback from you guys. So um, mm-hmm. just hearing things that you like um are that you know i i don't feel like we've been corrected too often but i mean even when we're corrected we we do appreciate it um mm-hmm. so yeah i mean it, it's we lean on each other and we lean on the support of you um so for everyone that's ever wrote that i listened to this episode and i really liked it or hey you guys should do this or you know uh like something or shared something um you have no idea what it means for someone who's just starting out something like this it means the world to us every single time yes. And we already had our first celebrity encounter, and <laughs> <laughs> I did think about I did think about the uh, behind the mask when I was watching Black Christmas. So oh, I think behind the mask is better, but yes, trivia, but about Billy, Billy is Billy is his mentor supposedly, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we just want to thank you guys, and we love you guys, and be safe. Wear a mask. When the vaccine comes out, please, for the love of God, get the vaccine so we can all stop wearing masks everywhere and take your vitamins, wash your hands. And I don't, I'm a December baby. I'm trying to do a very small birthday party to lessen the spread. So if you are a December baby or if you usually have a large holiday gathering, I know it sucks. But maybe try to do things digitally or just do a very small group of people that you can be very socially distanced with. Because we don't want to all have COVID for Christmas. That would be the worst Christmas present of all. So yeah, it would. Um, so, you know, be careful. And the flu is also out there. So get your flu shot because there is a vaccine for that. And um, just be careful and love one another. Be careful. Don't drink and drive. Uh, I feel like that's just, I always say it in the holiday because, I mean, we had a, 
a college friend died last year around the holidays hit by a drunk driver so please don't drink and drive please party safely during the holidays or you know just stay at home and watch scary movies um yeah i don't know i don't want to get too preachy i just like i always worry about people drinking and driving during the holidays because i feel like people get very depressed during this time of year i know my seasonal depression has started to rear its ugly head there's a lot of really good tiktok memes about seasonal depression so it's okay to be sad and it's okay to not be okay but if you feel like you can't get not okay please talk to somebody whether it's a family member a friend or a licensed therapist um it's better to share those feelings and have them be normalized by people than to hold them in and never really get to the bottom of them just from a personal standpoint going through a lot of stuff this year talking to somebody has helped whether it's Britt or my therapist or one of my other friends um you know I'm sure Britt has been a bit of my therapist last year I try (laughs) I try when in doubt when in doubt just listen um sometimes you don't have the right things to say to your friends that's okay um just listen just let them know they can confide in you about things and um, just remember that um, if your friend comes to you for something hard on their mind, um, you don't have to know the answers. Just listen. Just let them know that they can talk to you and you won't be biased. You'll be you'll be unbiased. Um, so, yeah. Exactly. So, okay, if so I'm going to stop being depressing. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, what we want to say, though, is we love you guys and we are so ready. We'll be here uh, waiting for you. Same spoopy time. Same spoopy channel. Uh, 2021. Yes. Hopefully... Uh, mid-January and we love you guys thank you for listening and stay spoopy y'all stay spoopy y'all night night Katie till next time till next time (laughs) till next year love you guys bye bye merry happy holidays bye (laughs) the Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale All music used is royalty-free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.